0: Listener production. Hey there, I'm on Siebert and welcome to The Briefing. It's been just over a year since the world sat up and took notice of the dangerous ideas and teachings being shared by a man named Andrew Tate.
1: He's almost like a caricature, right, of everything wrong with the toxic masculine culture we talk about.
0: The biggest concern? His ability to gain idol status among young boys. In the UK, a group sounded the alarm after getting multiple calls from worried schools and parents about the Andrew Tate effect. On today's briefing, Sasha Barbagat chats with the co-founder of the Raising Awareness and Prevention Project to find out what work's been done in the last 12 months and what the response has been like from teens. That fascinating chat in the second half of the episode. But first, Sasha joins me for today's headlines. It's Tuesday, the 9th of January.
2: Thanks, Bency, and Hi, everyone. Fears of flash flooding in parts of regional Victoria today as river levels continue to rise. Major flooding is currently happening on the Kampaspe River with the towns of Rochester and Murchison under evacuation orders. Authorities are urging people not to drive into floodwaters after more than 30 rescues took place yesterday for trapped vehicles straining emergency services.
0: It only takes 15 centimetres for a small car to float in floodwaters. That's the height of an average pen. Even for a standard size sedan, 30 centimetres of water is all it can take for, a, for that type of vehicle to float.
2: That was Victoria's SES Chief Officer, Tim Weebush, there. Heavy rain has wreaked havoc across the state, even causing a landslide east of Melbourne last night. Uh, It was 40 metres wide and 70 metres long. Benson, luckily, no-one was hurt there, but, yes, some really big concerns.
0: Absolutely. And the river near the town of Rochester burst its banks last time in October 2022. That's just 15 months ago, and now they're facing the same disaster. And just for an idea of how much rain has been falling, around the Heathcote region, more than 180 millimetres of rain fell in the past 24 hours, which is about three months' worth of rain in one day. A top ACT police officer has not held back after a fair bit of trouble at the weekend's Summer Nats event – for those not in the know, it's a big car show that happens every year in Canberra. The behaviour of these drivers, I mean, they just haven't evolved very far. I think they've really plateaued as, a, <laughs> as a, a species, a subspecies of the human race. I don't know what goes through their mind. The real car enthusiasts are not the problem. It's the, the, the moron tourism that we get. That was Acting Inspector Mark Richardson speaking yesterday, Arvo, after police were asked to investigate a slew of bad behaviour, including illegal burnouts with kids in the back seat and a wild brawl, apparently between festival goers and private security, footage of which has gone viral on social media. There were over 130,000 tickets sold to this event, and overall, there were only two arrests and 13 cars seized, Sasha.
2: Yeah, look... The other comment uh, that came from Acting Inspector Mark Richardson, which um, <laughs> caused me to sit up and listen, if we set up an this is quote if we set up an IQ test station at the border instead of a vehicle testing station, we would have our problems. Obviously police in the ACT are really sick of this behaviour that some people are engaging in. And it's worth noting, he's not saying everyone who goes to Summonats has a low IQ. He's saying that the people who engage in bad behaviour do. But yeah, I was kind of shocked by his comments, to be honest. I thought they were pretty strong, especially given there were two arrests. That's not that many in a four-day event with over 100,000 people in attendance. But yeah, it's clear cops are sick of the behaviour down there. A rocket bound for the Moon has launched from Florida overnight in what is said to be the first soft landing for the US in half a century. The Peregrine-1 lander is on its way to the lunar surface with scientific gear and other small rovers, with the aim of carrying out tests and observations ahead of humans touching back down on the Moon in the coming years. It is the first mission to fly under NASA's Commercial Lunar Payload Services Initiative. Now, this is a scheme in which the space agency pays private companies to deliver scientific equipment to the Moon's surface, and it is expected to land on February 23rd. Now, Benzian, scientific equipment isn't the only stuff that's on board, so It's carrying human remains, uh, a physical coin loaded with a single Bitcoin and a Japanese lunar dream capsule, which contains messages from 185,000 children around the world.
0: Wowee. And um, (laughs) (laughs) this uh, not everyone's happy, particularly about the human remains uh, being placed on the moon. The largest group of Native Americans in the United States, the Navajo Nation, says that allowing remains to touch down on the lunar surface would be an affront to many indigenous cultures which regard the moon as sacred. And this time yesterday, we were talking about Barbie at the Golden Globes, but Oppenheimer has been the big winner with eight gongs, sparking buzz it'll clean up at the Oscars too. Margot Robbie missed out on a gong, but did accept one that acknowledged the box office juggernaut the movie was last year. Two of our Aussie hopefuls did pick up awards though. Elizabeth Debicki and Sarah Snook, who we were talking about yesterday morning, an Adelaide girl. And we can't talk about the Globes without mentioning the goodie bag this year worth $745,000.
2: Yeah. And you think of a goodie bag that it's at everyone's seats, but only 83 people. So the winners and the hosts actually receive them. Um, And they've really gone all out this year after kind of some COVID years where they were really not putting a lot into these goodie bags. I think last year's was worth just over five grand, which is still a lot, but nowhere near 745k. Uh, This year in the bag, a $75,000 luxury yacht charter in Indonesia uh, and a session with a celebrity tattoo artist. So that's that's an interesting one, but we can't finish up talking about the Golden Globes without talking about the host. Yesterday afternoon, uh, my social media was absolutely flooded with criticism of Joe Coy, who I've never heard of or seen before, but he was the big host this year. And he pissed a lot of people off, including uh, Taylor Swift. He made a joke about her being on the screen at NFL games. Um, Obviously, she's dating Travis Kelsey. And uh, Greta Gerwig, uh, he made a joke about how Oppenheimer's this big smoke movie and Barbie's just about a plastic doll with boobs. And uh, Greta Gerwig, who is the director of Barbie, was not happy. And I saw actually a lot of feminists reacting to it as well, kind of being like, that is why Barbie was made, was to try and tamped down on these on these sexist views like it's just ridiculous so yeah i don't think he'll be asked back to host anytime soon
0: no it was incredibly cringe and you Mm. you almost 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 feel sorry for him as he's delivering these terrible jokes but not quite thanks for that sasha coming up andrew tate and how we're dealing with his influence
2: It wasn't too long ago that most people wouldn't have heard of Andrew Tate. Unfortunately, most of us are aware of him now. The influencer rose to internet fame after sharing his hardcore right-wing takes on masculinity and women. But work is being done at the grassroots to challenge these views in schools across the world. And one of the places at the forefront is the UK. I wanted to find out if any progress has been made and what has been learned so far. Joining me now is Dina Puccio. She's the co-founder of The Wrap Project. Dina, thanks for joining us on the briefing. First off, can you tell us what The Wrap Project is and what it does?
1: So the RAP project, which is Raising Awareness and Prevention Project, was founded by myself and my co-founder Allison Havey, who's a TV news producer and journalist. Um we met basically at the school gates. We were mothers of young children, and then realized at some point we had teenagers. And we were both concerned to a certain extent about just what they were going to be facing growing up in a very different world. So we started doing it at our kitchen table and have grown organically in the last over 12 years. And now we're in over 360 schools in the UK and abroad. So we're all about promoting education amongst young people when it comes to these very difficult issues, whether it comes to understanding how pornography is affecting them in relationships um, and empowering them and giving them the critical skills to make wise choices when they're faced with those very difficult issues.
2: Let's go back 12 months. It was about this time in 2023 that you started getting a bunch of calls or the RAP Project started getting a bunch of calls from schools in the UK, particularly boys' schools. Why is that?
1: So it was September of 2022 and we came back from summer break and we were getting calls from various schools, like you mentioned, saying you need to come and speak to these young men about Andrew Tate. And I think we knew he was out there. But honestly, we're a bit blindsided by all of a sudden the the popularity that he had obtained and the influence he had obtained sort of under our noses. So the schools were very concerned over how to deal with it. And they they weren't at the time getting together as a group saying it. It was just sort of individual schools calling coincidentally at the same time saying, can you guys come in and speak to our students about his influence and trying to understand why he was gaining the popularity that he was gaining. And he's almost like a caricature, right, of everything wrong with the toxic masculine culture we talk about, right? Like, yep. if you're going to go to central casting in Hollywood and put someone to put in a movie <laughs> to sort of make fun of who he is, there he is. So it was quite a surprise. And it also seemed quite sudden as well. It with sort of, you know, this rise of this person, who is he all of a sudden, why is he gaining all the influence?
2: So you started going out to schools and speaking with young boys about trying to understand why now, why Andrew Tate, what he believes in. What was the RAP Project's approach to talking to young boys and men about Andrew Tate? Was a different playbook needed because of how deeply toxic some of his beliefs are? Did you have to approach it in a different way when talking to young boys and men about Andrew Tate?
1: When you speak to young people, you have to do it in a certain way anyway. In other words, it has to be done with respect. And I think it's really important not to make someone feel canceled or humiliated and not to shut someone down. So I think Alison and I's strategy generally is to listen to what young people are saying. I mean, that's why the RAP project has been so successful, because we take what they're saying, young people, and then we put it back into the presentation. So we give them a voice and not ridicule or diminish their feelings and their views. Now, I'm not saying this is easy, right? Because particularly for me as a woman, when he's saying things about, you know, slap your, you know, whatever he calls us or um, put them in their place and they shouldn't be working and, you know, I should take care of them and sort of bang his chest. It's difficult to maintain a neutral face and just try to understand why young men are feeling that way. But Once you give them the voice and you allow them to speak, then you are able to dissect what they're saying and what they're thinking. But more importantly, I think they then are able to listen to what they're saying and they're able to analyse how they feel. And that's where the education comes in.
2: And you mentioned the cancelling. And I wanted to ask you about your kind of perspective on that in this lens of Andrew Tate and his influence on young men. Too often, I'm guilty of it if I see, and it's not just an influencer or someone who's famous, if there's someone who's in my circle or someone I work with and I find out, oh, they're an Andrew Tate supporter, for example, I go, oh, well, I'm cutting them off. But the point with this in education and in changing views is that we can't cut these people off. We have to open up the conversation.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think I don't want to put it in terms of sides, like what your side is. Because right now the world is full of sides, right? You're on my side or you're not, right? Politically and, and socially. Yeah. If we do that, we don't understand what the other side is thinking. If we don't understand what the other side is thinking, we get blindsided. And we then really can't change opinions and change minds. All we're doing is making the divide greater. So... We have to, as difficult as it is, legitimize the other voice just to respect what they're saying as people and try to understand it. Once you can try to see someone else's perspective and understand the fact that someone like Andrew Tate has got the influence he does because young men don't have possibly the role models they need to have, whether it's in their personal lives or whether it's in celebrity culture, which everyone looks up to, there's a real problem there. When I speak to young people and I ask them who their role models are, they've got lists. When I ask men who their role models are, they're really hard pressed to find someone they look up to. Sometimes it could be a coach or it could be you know, a parent, but in our celebrity culture, so much of what is respected when it comes to traditional, and again, I'm talking about heterosexual, cisgender male role models, is a type. It's about money. It's about power. It's about violence. It's about very negative attributes. And then when young men look up to that person with those attributes, which is an Andrew Tate, then they're told that that's not the way sh- they should be acting. Mm. So society gives young men, particularly now, very mixed signals about how they should behave and what's acceptable and what is what makes someone a quote-unquote man. All these typical masculine qualities he was able to put to the forefront while he was promoting a sexual assault and gender-based sexual violence.
2: Let's talk then about what you have noticed over the last 12 months. You've been out in schools. The RAP Project has been out speaking and communicating with young boys and men. What have we seen? Have we made a difference?
1: I think so. I think the most important thing is that we're talking about it. Right? I think that's the first issue. I said, I remember being interviewed last year. Allison and I were profiled in the New York Times, and we said, the good thing about Andrew Tate is he's starting a conversation. And that's the most important thing. Because so many of these issues we don't feel comfortable talking about, whether it's porn, whether it's Andrew Tate, we just don't want to talk about it as adults. We think if we don't talk about it, it's going to go away. Mm. It's not going to go away. But once we give what he represents the education, and the conversation, then we could dissect and understand why it's happening. He is a symptom of a greater societal problem. I think we can all agree upon that. So let's try to talk to young men about why they're feeling displaced and why they're feeling marginalized. I also think it's really important then to empower them to be allies, to be active bystanders, to stick up for injustices when they see it in their sphere. And the difference I've seen in the last year When we went back in September, after the presentations, I've had various young men come up to me and ask me how they can help their friends who have been sexually assaulted or how they could speak out against the rape jokes, the sexist comments or even the homophobic comments or racist comments. So I think that what I'm seeing is years ago, I didn't have those discussions with how can we make a difference even if it's one young man after a presentation and i've spoken to 200 having one if we can make a difference with one if we could start with one per school then one could become two could become three and we could start to you know gather momentum in this fight
2: mm. yeah so speaking of that what is next for the rap project obviously Andrew Tate's been in Romania, he's been locked up in jail, he's, you know, facing all sorts of horrific charges. I haven't personally seen much of him floating around, but um, I'm not his target audience, obviously. So what's the future of the rap project and the work that needs to be done so that we can keep, as you say, sort of fighting this fight to, I suppose, bring more people on board with the idea that, you know, masculinity means more than fast cars and fast women?
1: For us, Personally, the rap project is always about listening to what young people are saying and trying to be on top of it, and trying to give them the voice and help them analyze and make wise choices. So we're going to keep doing what we're doing because I do think it keep, it does work, but always keeping on top of the next issue because Andrew Tate was one issue, and there's going to be another issue, or if there's not one now, whether it's issues with social media, whether it's issues with self esteem, whatever. And I think the most important thing is keeping the open dialogue. And it's got to be an interdisciplinary approach. It can't just be in the schools. We can't just think that the schools are supposed to deal with this or external speakers are supposed to deal with this. As parents, as carers, have the conversations at the dinner table. Try to understand what is going on in the world, their world and have those difficult conversations and ask questions and listen. So we need to listen to what they're saying give them a voice, help them analyze and to understand why they feel the way they do and start changing their minds in a positive way, as opposed to the ridicules, the canceling, act locally, think globally. We're not going to change the world overnight. But if we keep having these individual discussions collectively, they will make a difference.
2: That was Dina Puccia there, co-founder of The Wrap Project. And we are looking at doing a follow-up on this episode and we'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts about toxic masculinity and how we're raising young boys? Get in touch with us on Instagram, share your thoughts, just search at The Briefing. That is all for The Briefing today. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check back in this afternoon. We'll have our next episode on our financial literacy series. And today it's all about how to get a promotion in 2024.
1: Listener.